I'm very excited to continue talking about understanding healthy grace and letting it live in our life and be a strength to us. It is God's strength for you and God's hope for you to never give up, to always press in, and to know that you have someone who believes in you, a Father who loves you unconditionally, and will lend His strength for you to face all things and overcome all things. But also we want to take a glimpse at the unhealthy version of grace. And and with most things, there's always two sides to everything. And, you know, we want to make sure that we don't throw out the good because we're afraid of the bad. And we don't throw out the healthy because we are concerned about the unhealthy. We just wanted to find the difference so we can walk in the great grace of God. I remember one time I was fishing and, and someone on the on the dock caught a uh, puffer fish. I was down in Florida. And a puffer fish is a... A little tiny fish, and it's interesting. He started to play with it, and just before he threw it back in the water, and it puffed up. It has the ability to fill itself up somehow with oxygen or something and just make itself bigger. I'll never forget it. Well, I found out that that is a delicacy in many countries, the puffer fish, but it's also one of the most poisonous fish. So if you don't cook it right and you, you don't clean it right, it can kill you, like, really quickly. And so that's much like grace. If we get hold of the healthy version of grace and hold on to it and let it thrive in our life, it has the ability to really be powerful and life-changing. But there is an unhealthy version of grace. It's not from God. Men have twisted it. The devil twisted it. And it can really be harmful to some people. In fact, deadly to some people. And so we're going to look at some verses. And I want to encourage you to not be afraid of healthy grace. Grace is so important in our world, in our life to know, and so encouraging to know that you are part of a family. One of our sayings that we talk about in our church is that if it's not family, it's not God. In other words, if you think of a real healthy family, a good mom and a dad, good kids, a typical healthy Christian family, that's how your relationship with God should be. And should feel. And if it doesn't feel like that, you know, in my family, I'm the dad and I'm the husband and I'm the provider and the protector. And many times with my kids who I love unconditionally, who I believe in and pour my life into, I have to discipline them and correct them and instruct them and guide them. And I have standards for them and some things are okay for them to go through and I'm there to support them as they go through it. But some things are not acceptable and and there's reward and consequence throughout their life for the decisions they make. And as a father, my job isn't to just make them perfect. My job is to help them grow up and discover for themselves the righteous, holy lifestyle they should live from their heart, not because of they're afraid of punishment. And so this is understanding family. You are born again, and you are a child of God because Jesus made a way for his father to become your father. And why this is so important is because religion has the ability to sneak in there and speak to the flesh, the outward man, and make it sound like this is right. And if you're not careful, the flesh can take you away from grace a number of ways. We're going to discuss that today a little bit. I want to go to start in Hebrews. I think we'll just start in chapter 10 again, where I can just tell you how grace touched my life. I started out being busy for God unworthy because I knew my faults, my lacks, the areas I lacked in. I knew the areas I struggled in. Never felt worthy, never felt 
acceptable to God. And so I made up for that by being busy serving God. And I believe in serving God. And I'm probably busier now than I used to be, maybe more specific on things. But I had used my busyness and my activity for God as an offering to make up for God's uh, overlooking my faults and my mistakes and my weaknesses because I always felt unworthy. And what happened to me was I ended up connecting my activity for God, the amount of busyness I did in the name of God, to earning His love. I felt loved if I was active for God. And it's because through the natural man, that makes sense. That's kind of a, a source of religion where I have something to offer God to allow Him to come closer because I'm not worthy the way I am. And we know we all wear a natural body. So I know that you go through struggles. You have doubts and questions and things that you go through. And God knows that too. But if He's your Father, see, His role in your life is to encourage you, to strengthen you, to believe in you as you grow up and go through the things and remove the areas of your life that are not part of you anymore. They're still there because of your natural man, but they're not part of you. And yes, there is discipline along the way, and there's correction and instruction that a father, a good father, does to his kids. So much of the church world today is chasing after the blessings, the anointings. It's like with my kids. My kids, I want them blessed, but I don't want to make them so blessed by spoiling them that they don't grow into the character they need. And so, so much of the church is looking after prosperity and blessings. And we know God wants those things for us. But more than prosperity, you can see in the Word, He wants you to walk in your calling to grow up in the things of God. And so we can't dismiss those things. Well, I'm just go to church so God will bless me abundantly in finances and and with anointings. Well, those are nice, but they really should be the fruit of a holy lifestyle. And so the message that really set me free from being a works, busy-oriented person in the sense that I use my works to earn love from God was the grace message, the message of your works can't buy more love. You can't buy love is the message of grace. You have to receive it. There's nothing, nothing, nothing you can do to get God to come closer to you And there's nothing, nothing, nothing you can do to get God to take his love away from you. We choose to either go into God or walk away from God. We actually choose how much of God we allow in our life. And what a revelation to know that you can have as much of God as you want. He does not hold you back. Nothing could hold you back. And so I'm going to read here out of Hebrews chapter 10 some of the the message that really helped me. And it started off by really, and I went through a season where I was busy, busy, busy. And then once I realized I didn't have to use that busyness to earn love, I already had his love. I just had to receive it. I quit being so busy, which isn't a good step and not an unhealthy step In if you're going through that transition. It helped me to not be afraid of not being busy. I was on a mission trip with a bunch of students. I took them down to Mexico we had a number of Bible college students, about 15 in the van. And one of the young ladies was in the passenger seat. And she said, Pastor Allen, I have a problem, a concern I need your advice on. I said, okay. She said, I've decided over the years to do a healthy reading of my Bible every day. I do a number of chapters every morning and I read it. And the problem is 
I do really good and I, and I feel good after I do it. But there are certain days of the week where maybe I, I'm tired, I sleep in or something comes up and I don't get to read my Bible for that morning. And it puts me in a tailspin to where I feel totally like I've disappointed God. He's sad. He's mad at me. I'm distant from God. It ruins my day. And I don't know what to do about that. I need help to be more disciplined. And I said to her, it was a a 10-day excursion into Mexico. I said, well, let me see your Bible. So she handed me her Bible. And I didn't give it back to her for the whole 10 days. I did not let her read her Bible for 10 days. And you might be shocked at that. Like, you're a pastor. Why are you doing that? Well, because I wanted her to read her Bible, and God wanted her to read her Bible. But she had to lose that connection between reading her Bible and feel worthy and using it as a tool to to earn worthiness with God, earn His love. And many Christians are going to have to go through this season. I know for many people around the world, the, the COVID-19 pandemic is caused isolation from churches and activities. And God spoke to me and said, during that season where the church people are isolated from their church activities, the Lord told me that many Christians, many believers, because they can't be busy serving in church, and and I believe in serving in church. I believe in being busy for God and giving our whole life to the service of God, but not to earn His love. And this is what I had to get free from. The Lord told me that many Christians, they feel safe with God, but only because they've been busy helping out in the church, feeding the poor, doing many things. But during the the COVID pandemic, where they locked everyone in their houses, and you couldn't even go witness at your next door neighbor, or they would call the police and spray you with, with Lysol and chase you away. And He said to me, Many believers are going to go through a season of hardship because they're going to feel like God won't answer their prayer because they have nothing to offer Him. God, I can't even go to church. I can't be faithful to Sunday school. I can't feed the poor. I can't go win souls. I'm just me and you, God. i got nothing to offer you. And He said this will be so healthy for them because they'll go through a season where they're going to feel like God's not there for them because they feel unworthy. And I knew it because that's what I went through. And He said, but then... After a month or so, they're going to start realizing that God's still there with them and for them. He hasn't left them because they haven't given Him anything. And that's going to bring healing to many people, the Lord told me, during the pandemic, that as they've been isolated from church and activities, that they're going to feel and realize that God loves them because He is love. And that the service we do, the busyness we do, is not to get his love, it's because of that love. And he said that for much of the church, there's going to be a very healthy realization that I don't have to do these things to get love, to be loved, to be accepted. But I will do them because I want other people to experience his love. And that's the season I went through. So there was a kind of a learning curve where I found out I didn't have to do things to get his love, so I quit doing things. And after a short season of praying, and the Lord brought me back to doing things, but again, from the foundation that I'm loved. Not from the foundation of unworthiness, where I have to do things to feel purposeful, to feel worthy, but from the foundation of His love. And during that season, it was such a wonderful, healthy season with me and God. I fell in love with Him more and more and more. 
spent time in worship and praying in tongues and just really, you know, it was the Holy Ghost that helped me to do that. But then another message crept in, and I call it the unhealthy version of grace. Like that puffer fish where I was eating the delicious delicacy of grace, but I didn't get rid of the poison part of the fish. And it wasn't from God. It was a message of twisted grace. And we see that in um, 2 Peter. I'm going to go there real quick. In 2 Peter, Peter mentions this about Paul. In verse 14, chapter 3, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to the things, be diligent to be found in him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. So he's mentioning Paul's letters to them was about, a lot of Paul's letters was about God grace and coming out of the law of the Judaizers, the law of the Old Covenant, and trying to earn relationship with actions under the law. And it says here, Our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of Scripture. And so there's a twisting that can happen. This is the unhealthy version of grace, that twisting that comes to take the message that is so important for the body of Christ, so important for us, that we're beloved, we are part of the family, we're children of God because of what Jesus did. And it can twist the message to make what is beautiful and powerful, to make it corrupt and harmful. And that's part of the reason of these messages and why I feel so important is we want to take out the poisonous part that people have and the devil has inserted to the grace message that's around the church world, hovering around. It's been around forever. It's not new, but it may be new to you. And we want to cut that part out so we can enjoy and be blessed and strengthened by the healthy, delicious part of the grace message. And I went into the poison where I started to think, well, praise God, I am free from sin. And I use some of the scripture in Hebrews chapter 10, where it says that Jesus has taken away sin. And I'm going to read some of this here. Verse 8, Hebrews chapter 10. Previously saying, sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings, and offerings of sin you did not desire, nor have pleasure in them, which are according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, set down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. And so I took out of that message, and this is where the unhealthy grace message, it confuses the words such as sin and the law. The writer of Hebrews is being very clear here, all through Hebrews, that the only pathway to salvation is through Christ, not through the old covenant of the Jewish people. 
that Jesus fulfilled the Old Covenant completely, and now the only way to Christ for Gentiles and for Jews is to be grafted into the vine of Christ through salvation through Jesus. And so the law he talks about here is talking about the Old Covenant for the Jewish people. Because the temptation for this group of Hebrews is to go back under the law to avoid persecution and to renounce Christ, but still try to get a hold of God through the Old Covenant, the Old Law, 613 Levitical Laws, to start sacrificing lambs again and to know God through the high priest. But the problem was God was no longer, His presence was no longer in the Holy of Holies. God stepped out of the Holy of Holies. Now the only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. Salvation by faith in Him, by His grace. And so I had found that I was finding in that not just a liberty from earning God's love, but also liberty from confronting my flesh. I said, hey, sin's done away with. I can do whatever I want in my body and God's still with me. God's still for me. God loves me. And the truth is that God still loves you no matter where you are in your life. He doesn't love you more when you're holy and less when you're unholy. He always loves you because his reason for loving you is he is love, not that you are good. But from that love, it should empower us and strengthen us and encourage us to start to live holy and live by standards in the word. And so I grabbed hold of some of these wording when I began to feel convicted by my new nature or uh, someone tried to give me standards of holiness, I would say things like, you're just under the law. You're just Old Testament believing under the law. And you should be under grace. We're under a new covenant. We're, we're with Christ. And sin's been done away with. So I can do actions of sin, and it doesn't matter because sin doesn't separate me from God anymore. And I started down a twisted road of twisting the Scripture. And I didn't really hear messages back then. I'm sure I probably did somewhere to encourage this. But this was something my flesh had held the hand of the enemy and was developing a whole doctrine with some of the very grace message that set me free from one thing, was trying to join my flesh to set me into bondage in another way. And that was a bondage into the flesh to give it liberty not to thrive and not to mortify it. And so we're going to keep talking about healthy grace, but we're going to get to the things that try to separate us from the grace of God. And I'm going to go over a few chapters here in Hebrews chapter 12. And I want you just to come with me. Because I want us to have the ability to really appreciate God's grace, to be safe in God's grace. To be safe when we have great days and safe when we have slow days or when we struggle or uh, aren't perfect. To know that, hey, we're family and God does expect me to, to pursue holiness. He does expect me to lay my life down and to serve Him and to press into Him. He does expect that. He wants that, and He will give me strength to do that by His grace. But if I have a slow day, I don't feel distant from God as if God's mad at me or walked away from me. Now, we can walk away from God, but I want to read to some verses here in chapter 12. And here the writer of Hebrews is comparing the Old Covenant with the New Covenant. Now, remember what I've taught you. We do not have a covenant with God. We're not connected to the Father by a covenant. Jesus is the mediator of the covenant, 
which means that the covenant is actually God the Father. He mediates between one. Read that in Galatians. Between Jesus and God, because they are one. And so he's a mediator between them. God tried to make a covenant with Noah, with Moses, with David, with all the Old Testament saints, and man kept failing. And every time man failed, the covenant was broken. And so God made a way through Jesus to make a covenant with the man, Jesus. And through his humanity, Jesus became the perfect Lamb of God, never sinned. And so God made a covenant with Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus never broke that covenant. And because he never broke that covenant, when he died on the cross, his blood became the Lamb of God and sealed that covenant And that covenant can never, ever be broken. God is forever connected to mankind through Jesus. And he no longer has to withhold his presence from mankind because through Jesus, sin was conquered. So now God doesn't have to withhold his personal presence from us, even the unsaved, because... Jesus and him have a covenant that is sealed. And that's why he was able to take his personal presence out of the Holy of Holies and then reach out to the world to, through that covenant, through the covenant that's been sealed forever, we can become family of God. Now, if we don't take advantage of that covenant and try to earn our own walk with God, we won't be saved. We have to be saved only through Jesus. It doesn't matter how good a person is how righteous they might live, how many people they feed to the poor, how holy they may live if they're not born again. They're not children of God. And the only way to heaven is to be a child of God. And so it's through that covenant that the Father made with Jesus the man that's been sealed forever by Jesus the Lamb. We are born, birthed into the Father by the Father because of that covenant. But we don't have a covenant. We have a birth certificate. We are children of God. What that means is now, even when I have a slow day or have a a struggle day, a struggling moment, we're all pursuing holiness and we're all pursuing perfection. But let's be serious. Let's be realistic. You're not perfect yet. I don't have to be a prophet to tell you that. And I want you to be safe with your father, knowing that even when you're not perfect, even if not being perfect is something you struggle with for a long time. He's not going to cut you out of the family. He's not going to not take care of you, provide for you. He's not going to say, I'm just, I'm done with you, get out. He's not going to take his name from you. You can run away from God, but God will never run away from you. And so let's start here. Let's go to Hebrews 12, verse 18. For you've not come to the mountain that may be touched, that burned with fire, and to blackness and darkness and tempest and to the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words, so that those who heard it begged the words should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure what was commanded, and if so much was a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stopped or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. So Mount Sinai was the place where God's presence was at the moment, And the children of Israel, who were God's chosen people, were terrified at the presence of God, terrified 
at the power of God in that moment because they were not children of God. They were chosen of God. They're God's chosen people, but they were not born again yet. So their natures were different than God. And so they were very afraid of God's presence, afraid of God's holiness. It was a terrifying thing. Even Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling in the presence here. So that's where they were under the old covenant. That was the relationship man had with God under the old covenant. Thank God we don't have a covenant with God. We are born of him. And that's the part that helped set me free from the unhealthy grace was actually Pastor Dave Roberson. And again, I give credit to the the Holy Ghost because praying in the Holy Ghost salvaged me out of both areas of living out of fear of God, uh, unhealthy fear, and living as a worker for God. It brought me out of that. Then it rescued me from the unhealthy grace message that was trying to take me away from God into fleshly sin. And that was the message that, no, because now you have the new nature in you, you can be holy, you can live holy, you can overcome your flesh the moment you're born again. You now have, are set free from sin. So you don't want to let your flesh rule you because that is no longer you. And so that and the Holy Ghost helped me to understand the balance, I believe, that has helped me to still not be perfect, but be safe in the family of God know I'm family, and when I slack or am out of order or find myself struggling too much, making excuses, God's very happy to come as a good father and give me direction and correction. As I tell my children, you know, you take it like a man, son. You did the deed, now I'm, you're going to have to pay the consequence. But not a consequence of I'm get out of my family, but the, the encouragement to keep pressing into holiness. Verse 21, And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I'm exceedingly afraid and trembling. For you come to a Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. So this is the mountain we are now part of, Mount Zion, the general assembly, church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just man made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than Abel. So we are children of God now, birthed of God through the covenant that Jesus and the Father have. And because of that, we pursue holiness, we chase holiness, we run from sin, we root sin out of us. We go through the process that it talks about in Romans chapter 12. I'm just going to turn there very quickly. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, that's your outward man, that would be where all the desires for sin, envy, jealousy, strife, anger come from, your natural body. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So it's telling us that our job is to take our natural desires, our natural desires for sin, our natural desires for selfish ambition, self-preservation, our natural desires for unhealthy things, and not excuse them and say, I don't have to fight this fight anymore, but I beseech you, 
Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That means it doesn't. you don't kill it and then make a sacrifice of it. You have to do it while it's fighting you. Do you notice when you try to pursue holiness, there's a fight? Because your body's living. But it is your job to take that body that you're wearing right now, no one can do it for you, and to practice on a daily basis to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So in other words, this is your first job as a believer. Your first job is not to get anointed. Your first job is not even to be able to prophesy or hear words of knowledge. Too much of the church world is chasing after gifts of the Spirit and anointings, and we want all that. But if we don't do our first job, you end up with people walking in the gifts who have confusion in their, their life and struggles in their life that should have been conquered early on in their walk. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is reasonable. In other words, God, I can't do it. It's just so hard. No, you can do it. You can deny your flesh, uh, resist the devil, and also begin to sacrifice those desires, put it on the altar. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Lord told me one time, I didn't tell my church to be conformed and to be a Christian. I told them to be transformed. And the way he showed me was that many believers were acting Christian. They were dressing right. They were behaving right in church. You know, Sunday we look good and we act good. And so they were projecting what they wanted people to see, but they weren't really transforming. They were conforming. And they were trying to behave. They were trying, through their natural man, they were trying to live right and he told me, I told my church to transform. And transformation is actually where you build up your inner man and you mortify the outward man. And so you can transform your you, your life from being holy by your actions through your own strength, through your natural strength, through discipline, to where you can actually transform into a child of God to where it's not discipline, it's who you are without effort. The way you can see that is if you have a favorite dessert, maybe it's cheesecake or apple pie or ice cream. And I know people who don't like ice cream. And so they have no problem not eating ice cream where I may like ice cream or cheesecake or apple pie or all of it. And if you say how big a slice you want, I'll say, oh, just a little slice to everyone around me. But I'll look at my wife like, make it big. Make it the big slice. Just a little slice. Just a little bit. I'm watching my my weight. Better make it 14 little slices. And then we save some for when all the guests leave. And then I'm eating it at midnight. And so I have to discipline myself not to do that. There's something in me that wants that. And wants extra. But if it's not in me. If it's, I know some people who don't like sweets. They just, for dessert, they'd rather have an extra piece of, of bread. Or, or something else at the end of the meal. Rather than a beautiful home-baked apple pie, cherry pie with vanilla ice cream melting on top of it. Ooh. And they don't have to have discipline because they don't desire that. And that's a transformation that God wants from us. It's not instant. It's a transformation. It takes time. But we can get there to where we are transformed into who He made us on the inside. And we have mortified the outward man to bow its knee. And in that process, you start with discipline. You start with denying yourself. Those are acts of faith. 
but so much of the Christian world is stuck there. They're stuck conforming to a Christian. They know what a Christian looks like. They're taught how a Christian should act, so they try to act like that. But it's not deep down in them. They still have the root of desires of sin, of unhealthy things, and they got to get out from there. they got to mortify that. Now we're going to just, real quick, uh, Hebrews 13. I'm going back, back and forth. Just stay with me. Trying to paint a beautiful picture for us, best I can. Chapter 13, verse 5, is the verse you should never, ever, ever, ever forget. Let your conduct, verse 5, be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I want you to underline that in your Bible or highlight it and hold on to that for the rest of your life. You cannot make God leave you. Even in your worst and worst of days, you cannot make your Father leave you. You can leave Him. And that's the danger of unhealthy grace. It has two ways to walk you out of grace, two ways to pull you out of grace, where you will not rely on the grace, you won't pursue holiness the right way. And some of that could even take you away from your salvation, to where you give up your salvation. And so I'm going to run through that very quickly. The first way is over here in Second Peter. Again, I know that's been one of our core verses on unhealthy grace. And I want to read to you the message of unhealthy grace, one of the messages. Because there's two ways the enemy uses to pull you out of the work of grace or to pull you out of working with grace to transform yourself from where you are today to the child of God that God wants you to be. Now you have a new nature. That means you are complete in Him. That new nature is totally complete in Him. It doesn't need to grow anymore. You've got it all. And you are a child of God because of that new nature. But there is a transformation to where you and I quit living out of the natural man and begin to mature, renew the inner man in the knowledge of God. So we live out of that, and that's who we are completely. That our flesh is simply what God uses to let us run around this earth, but it is totally submitted at the root to yield over to the inner man. I hope that made sense, at least a little bit. That's transformation. Conformity is when you squeeze something in to make it look like it's supposed to be, but it's not. You're just acting like it is. And that's where I think much of the church world is. They know how to act like Christians, but they're not working with grace. They're not working the right way to really transform into children of God, into all that God has for them. I'm not saying that they lose their salvation, but some will. Understand that God's heart is to have heaven full as many people as possible. So God's not trying to kick us out of heaven. He's not trying to make the rule so hard that no one gets to heaven. He wants to make it as easy as possible for everyone to get to heaven. So there's many Christians who are going to not change anything in their life. They're just going to get born again, and they'll get to heaven because they have their new nature. But there are some people who can walk away from God because of an unhealthy grace message. It's so poisonous to them, but what they're going through they can walk away from their salvation. So verse 18, 2 Peter chapter 2. 
For when they speak, talking about these preachers of what I call unhealthy grace, they speak with great swelling words of emptiness. They allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. So the message of unhealthy grace goes to people who are born again, and it begins to pull them back. My argument today is this is what I fought with because I was pursuing God out of works, and then I, I got hold of healthy grace, and then this message of unhealthy grace came in and tried to make me quit working, quit fighting my flesh. Why are you working so hard to fight your flesh? Just love God and don't worry about the flesh. If you, you're sinning, just don't even worry about it. If you sin, just keep sinning. It can't separate you from God anymore. And it could. It could have walked me totally away from God. But again, it would be me walking away from Him, not Him walking away from me. Well, verse 19, While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom the person is overcome... By him also he is brought into bondage. So they have promised them liberty. And this is the liberty that hit me. And I hear it in many people. Oh, I heard this preacher. What he said was so impressive and so wonderful. You know, I've been doing all this work. I've been laboring. I've been praying in tongues. I've been fasting. I've been trying to live holy and resist these appetites of my flesh. And I found out that that's all works under the law. And I am free to not fight my flesh anymore. I don't, you know, those that are praying in tongues, it just works. And the fasting, you, you're a works preacher, Alan. You're under the law by expecting standards of holiness. And so the liberty that comes is the refreshing that my natural body, who I'm supposed to take my natural body and put it on the altar every day as a living sacrifice, which you understand if you take a, a sacrifice a lamb, and you would say, oh, come here, little lamb. We're going for a walk. And you take it to the, the high priest. And while the lamb's looking around, you, you slit its throat and you kill it. It's dead, and then that's your sacrifice. But a living sacrifice means every day you take that lamb, and after the second day it knows that you're not taking it for a fun ride, that you're actually taking it to be slaughtered every day. That's your body. It will begin to resist you and fight you and say, I don't want to die. I want you to live through me. And you're saying, no, you're supposed to serve the inner man. And so it begins to fight you. And so it can be a fight, a fight for holiness to deny yourself. And there's times where you know where, where it's trying to lead you is wrong and you're resisting and you're praying. And you're in the process. You're in the transformation process. You're praying in tongues and meditating the word and fasting. You're, you're in a war with your flesh, the inner man against the outward man. And you're winning and you have his grace as your strength. You can win. But it, it can make you sweat. It can make it hard some days to resist. And when you hear a message that says, why are you doing all that work, brother? You're praying in tongues all that time. You're fasting a work that God's already done in you. And you're fighting your flesh. Sin's been done away with. Just quit fighting it. Let it do what it wants. And, and the love of God will eventually overtake you. And, you know, there's a part of that that's really good. To know that He loves you even through your struggle. But the part that's so unhealthy and dangerous is that you begin to quit fighting your flesh. Your liberty, the liberty that's preached is you don't need to fight your flesh. You don't need to battle towards holiness. Just relax. Enjoy God. And so, oh, thank God. 
I don't have to do this fight, this sweating, this transformation. This is great. I love this message. And for some people, it won't make. they're still going to go to heaven. They won't have much rewards because they've held on to this message. But there are a few that will walk away from their salvation and are poisoned so much that they lose their salvation. So the first way that the unhealthy grace message can dislodge you from the fight of your flesh is through just accepting your flesh as who you are. And that's a very dangerous message. And the second way that the enemy tries to get you to dislodge from your flesh. I'm going to go over to Romans chapter 4. And I thank you for just going back and forth with me as we paint this picture. The second way that the enemy tries to trick Christians into stepping away from the fight of their flesh. The first way is just quit fighting it. Just put your arm around your flesh and accept that that's who you are and know that God loves you. And it feels liberating, but it really, as it says in Second Peter, it puts you into bondage. You become more in bondage to your flesh to where, again, your flesh will rule over you and dictate your life to you, tell you how to be happy, tell you how to serve God, and will not let you mortify it. Because the process of a believer is to transform to where we are mortifying the flesh through the power of the new nature in our inner man with the help of the Holy Spirit. We have a team all together right now. You have a team. You have your new nature, your inner man. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the Word of God to face your weaknesses, to face your flesh. Drag it every day as a living sacrifice. And it may fight you because it knows where you're taking it. You're taking me to the sacrifice, to the altar, to tie me down and to kill me again every day. And I know what you're up to. And you drag it over there and you kill it. And it squirms, it fights, it complains, it begs you. No, don't do it. I'll give up. I'll be good. I remember, I think it was Pastor Dave or maybe Norval Hayes who was telling a story. How he's casting a devil out of someone. He said, come out. Come out in Jesus' name. And the, the man fell over. And he heard the, heard the man say, Okay, okay, I'm good. I'm gone. I'm gone now. You don't have to cast me out. I'm already gone. You know, that's the devil pretending. You, know, you can stop the fighting now. I give up. I'm no longer here. Well, your flesh will do that too. Oh, I'll be good. Uh, he'll begin to negotiate with you because he'll say, You don't have to kill me. You don't have to go to the root. I'll, I'll be good. I'll worship God. We'll serve God together. We'll go to church together. But don't do those things that make me a sacrifice because that hurts. And your flesh will fight you. That's the reasonable service. That's the first job as a believer. Start to learn how to fight and transform yourself into all that God has for you. And that starts and begins and finishes really with holiness. Not with miracles, not with anointings or experiences or the word of knowledge or words of wisdom or the power of God. It starts and finishes with the characteristics of being transformed into a child of God, which really comes down to holiness coming out of your life. The second way that I've seen, and I've seen people tempted to dislodge from the fight, really shocked me when God showed me. And I'm going to read out of Romans chapter 4, verse 1. And what shall we say, that Abraham our father was found according to the flesh? For Abraham was justified by works... He has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? 
Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, now this is in context really talking about trying to earn love from God, earn your relationship with God through the law. But I'm going to take the principle out of this. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. Now come with me one last verse. We're going to go back to Romans chapter 11. Or chapter 12. And the message there was, if your relationship with God is built on your works, that you've earned something, you have earned something, then it's not counted to you as grace, as yours. It's actually counted as a debt. So if you're trying to earn your sonship, your relationship with God by your good living, by your discipline, and I'm tying that with conforming. And this is the second way I found that the enemy uses to dislodge people from the fight. And I was puzzled at first because there's a message that goes around and it's called the holiness message. And we believe in holiness, but we believe more in a holiness by transformation than just a holiness by discipline. Where I, because you do have to choose to go along with grace and walk with God towards holiness. But the difference is between conforming, which we read in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the conforming means that I use my willpower, my natural strength, my natural discipline. And some people have a lot of natural discipline. Some people don't. So the people who don't have a natural discipline are never really tempted to try that because they know they'll they'll last 10 minutes and they're going to fail. So if you don't have a lot of natural discipline, you can start thanking God because it forces you to rely on God. But some people have a lot of fortitude in their characteristics, in their natural ability. And, and so they can rely on that to say, I'm not going to eat cheesecake. I'm going to eat carrots and I'm going to deny myself and they only live in the the world of denying their flesh and they never transform into their inner man and their wording would be something like this you don't need to fight anymore you're already complete in him the fight's already done just choose to not do it choose not to do it just stop it just stop it just stop it and walk with god and i've seen that message and heard it come through a number of times, and, and that was one of the messages I heard when I first started out. Just say no. And I wondered why it was so enticing for some people. And then the Lord showed me the reason it feels so good for some people was because it, it removes the real fight of mortification. So rather than going through transformation through praying in tongues and fasting and worship, they can rely on their own discipline to just say, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. And again, it's really only the people who have a strong fortitude naturally that are preaching this. And it doesn't work for other people, and it really doesn't work for them, because the enemy is a professional killer. He's a lunatic, but he's not stupid. He has designed military buying on you and knows exactly your weaknesses and your, your vulnerabilities. And he'll design a professional attack against you. So you may be disciplined enough and strong enough of willpower, natural manpower, to eat healthy your whole life and not to let yourself do things. You're disciplined, you're skinny, you're organized. But it comes from your natural ability. 
And so you might be enticed by a message that says, just stop, just stop. You don't have to give yourself over to sin. And the truth is you don't because you have a new nature in you. But if you're enticed by that message, you're going to be trapped in this world of conformity, that you're only conforming your flesh. Your flesh obeys you because you're strong and you don't let it do what it wants. I remember I'd go swimming with one person and he had the ability, if the swim pool was super cold, and we'd go swim in the hot tub, sit in the hot tub and then go to the swimming pool, which was cold. And he thought it was healthy. It might be to go from hot to cold so your blood flows in your body. And we'd be in a hot, hot tub and sweating. It felt so glorious. And then he'd get up and go, okay, let's go over to the swimming pool. And the pool would be almost ice cold, especially coming out of a hot tub. And I would, you know, go my toe and then my foot. And it'd take me half an hour just to get to my knees of the freezing cold water. But he was disciplined. He would just walk right in and ignore his body's freezing reaction. And I could I had to go inch by inch. Well, there's some people who are naturally disciplined. But see, what they don't understand is that they're just making their flesh obey, and they only live there. That's where we start. That's the beginning. The beginning that we walk down is where we, we begin with denying ourselves. We begin to, with resisting the devil. We begin with not allowing our flesh to rule us. But if you only stay there and you don't go through the transformation process, which means that's a work that only God can do when you partner with Him, and through Him and through the help of the Holy Ghost and through you yielding over to that grace and letting it pull you towards holiness, you go to the root of the issue. And so if the only reason you're not sinning is because you are holding back sin and that's your life with God. The enemy, when he wants to, it's like you know, one man can say, I can lift 500 pounds, and that's pretty impressive. Any man who can live, or woman who can lift 500 pounds, that's impressive. But can you lift 10,000 pounds? Or how about 100,000 pounds? Well, the 10,000 pounds would squish you, and you'd be dead. Well, that's the difference between conformity. If you live in that life of just resisting and just holding back your flesh, that's not transforming. That is not renewing of your mind. That's not changing from where you are to live into where God wants you to be. It's not instant. It doesn't happen instant. Yes, your new nature is instant. But the lifestyle change of walking out of where you are the way you think to walking into all God has for you, that is a transformation process. And that's a hard process and takes time. And that's the power of God and the grace of God working through you. If you wonder why I pray in tongues so much is because I know I do not have the natural discipline in my life to do it. And thank God for it, because I might have relied on it. So many of those people, they looked really holy until the enemy comes with a bigger weight of deception, a bigger weight of temptation, and they find themselves losing to their flesh. And I wonder, why is this message so enticing to people? They say, oh, you know, all that praying tongues, it's good, but it's not what you need. You just need to accept who you are as a child of God, and chase God. You just need to accept what God's done and give up. And so what happens when people do that, it feels like it's liberating from the fight. Oh, I don't have to fight and and all that work of praying and fasting. I just have to choose not to do it. And they do good for a while. And if you're in a group of that, those type of people, you'll find you with a lot of strong personalities who have strong discipline. And so when you start to struggle, what happens is you start to hide it. You pretend that you're not, you know, everyone living holy today, if you're living holy this week, hold your hand up. If you're not, 
then stand up and we'll cast the devil out of you, you weak person. And so, of course, you're not going to stand up. You're going to hold your hand up. I've been holy. I've been good. Well, you haven't been. You know it. And you're just, you don't want anyone else to know it because they'll think you're weak. Just because you're struggling, just because you're struggling in an area does not mean you're weak. It means you're in an area of transformation. You're in the process of transformation. So just because you look and you find yourself pulled, tempted, and you're struggling against it, and you're praying in tongues, and you're doing the tools that we teach, understand that God's mercy and grace is with you, and you're in the process of transformation. It won't always be this hard. Yes, you deny yourself, and yes, you resist it, but know that you're not weak. You're just being transformed on the inside out, and you're in this process. And we're pursuing holiness and telling our body no. But I don't want you removing from the fight thinking, oh, I just have to say no, that's it. Because for some areas you find that you might be able to say no for a while, but it's going to come back if you don't transform out of it. And the other way of being liberated from the flesh is one that says, quit fighting your flesh, just embrace it. Both are dangerous messages to your calling. I think one of them, especially the liberating from fighting your flesh, is dangerous towards your salvation if you're fighting with the wrong thing. But both are dangerous to your calling, trying to do it in your own strength, in your own power, and just not doing it. And I want you to be aware that God's grace, and be encouraged that God's grace is for you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. We're not in a, to be fearful of God in the sense of having a phobia. Oh, I thought the wrong thought. I'm, I'm afraid to go into church or afraid to go talk to God because he might strike me with lightning because I'm not perfect. I want you to be safe with your Father. He is your Father. He'll never give up on you. He's always pouring into you. Yes, He will come and confront you, and He will convict you. Your new nature will convict you. He will instruct you and ask you to do things and face things you don't think you're ready for, but He knows you are. He may correct you and even discipline you. And disciplining you is is not sickness or disease. But He is a Father. And if it's not family, if it doesn't feel like family, if it doesn't feel like this is what a good father does, it's not God, it's religion. Religion comes in two different ways. One is where you're in your own strength, and the other is when you are living, uh, letting your flesh run. But by the grace of God, we are children of God, pursuing holiness. And through that, listen, you're not wasting any time when you pray in tongues. You're not wasting any time when you worship God. You're not wasting any time when you read your word. You are growing in the things of God, and he's walking with you step by step. He's not afraid of you. He's not afraid of your battles, your weaknesses, or your struggles. He is with you all the way. He'll never give up on you. Let's not liberate ourselves from the fight. Let's not liberate ourselves from the transformation. Let's embrace the transformation. Know that it's going to be effort. Know that it's going to be work, but not works. And we are going to find ourselves in a few years, even even in a year. We'll look back and think, wow, I did not know I've changed that much. And you'll be thankful that you did the work a transformation because your life is different. And that's year after year, month after month, week after week. You are transforming into all that God has for you. Don't give up. Let's keep pressing into God. I love you and thank you for spending time with me. God bless you.